Well, if you are anything uh, like I am, your Christmas has already begun. Things are already in high gear and, and you've already taken off. We already have all of our decorations up indoors and out, presents wrapped in under the tree, um, which I will not take any credit for, but I need to work on that. Uh, we're already discussing like how many nights in a row can we possibly have Christmas parties and be out. Uh, and it just feels like Christmas for all of us gets really full really fast. And I think we all know, like academically, we know in our heads, we know in our minds that, that this is a season for us to make space for God to work in our lives, that this is a, a season that's about our faith and about Jesus coming to earth as our Savior. But we often squeeze that out as well-intentioned as we might be. The busyness, the fullness of the season squeezes that out. So over the coming weeks, we just want to encourage you with some ways that you can maybe hold certain things loosely, that you might be able to give them to God, that you could receive the blessings of this season uniquely as we sit and ask, God, what do you have for us if we have a Christmas that's full of you and your blessings? If you would grab a Bible and turn to Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to be Isaiah 9, starting in verse 2. In the Pew Bibles in front of you, it's uh, page 984. And if you would open them, keep them open because I'll come back and uh, touch on a couple of the verses as we go through it. But uh, Isaiah is an Old Testament book. Isaiah was a prophet, spoke to God's people and pronounced God's truth to them. Uh, and he's writing this specifically, or this, this is written uh, to the people in Judah, which is the southern kingdom of the nation of Israel. These are his words of God's hope and God's promise to his people. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. There'll be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's stop right there. This familiar text, this familiar Christmas story, for those of you who have been in church or gone to Christmas, any kind of Christmas activities, you may have heard this text or part of this text read or, or used. And, and a familiar text is a good place to start because what happens in the Christmas season is it's very familiar because we do this every single year, we come back to the same things. And there can almost become this sense of like, been there, done that, nothing's changed. And, and we can start to become cynical. We can start to become jaded. Like we go through the same rhythms, the same routines. We celebrate Jesus' birth. Our lives don't ever get any better. Nothing ever changes. And we can become jaded. And what I want us to see today is that the wonder of God's coming, his advent, entrance into the world, the wonder of God's coming breaks through our jadedness. You know, one of the, one of the very trivial ways I experienced jadedness and, and being stuck in my life is uh, with this little thing called Zoom calls. 
No many of you can identify with being a little jaded about Zoom calls every once in a while. And one of my big hangups with Zoom calls is it's the only meeting that I'm in that I have to look at myself. Like, I don't know if you've ever sat there in a Zoom call and went like, why do I look like that? And, and then like, you realize like, oh, I'm looking at myself and everyone can see that I'm looking at myself. And it's like, you know, it just gets in your head a little bit. And then you want to like, I don't know, like maybe I'm the only one. You occasionally, you're on a Zoom call, your mind drifts, you might grab your phone. But then you can see that they can see you looking at your phone. Like it's very unnerving. So I can be very cynical and very stuck about Zoom calls, particularly the fact that I can see myself. Well, a few weeks ago, my, my good friend Ben over here, we got on a Zoom call and Ben said, have you guys ever used this, the hide self function? And I was like, you can hide yourself on a Zoom call? It's like a whole new world. I can just, I can just, I, I really am like, it's like a window has been unlocked. Like I can engage with a Zoom call without worrying about like how I look on the Zoom call um, and pay attention. It's such a, it's such a gift. And it's this like subtle shift where you saw something new that you hadn't really seen before. This is what wonder does. Like wonder sort of shifts us. It, it opens us that we can, we can see something where we were previously stuck. We're now, our eyes are open to new opportunities to experience something fresh and new. This is what wonder does for us. And, and in, in the book of Isaiah, this, this Old Testament prophecy is, is being written to uh, the, these Jewish people who they feel like their lives are stuck. Like God had promised them like, hey, here's how your life is going to be. And it's gone anything but that. Like they are stuck and they're, they're being attacked on every side and, and they feel like life has not turned out the way they expected, that, that they've tried so hard, they keep failing, they keep messing up, they become cynical and jaded and they're just a stuck people. And he writes this into their story. And, and in the same way, right? In the same way, we can often become stuck because we've tried and we've tried and we've tried to fix things and we just feel like giving up. We're just stuck in this cycle. Maybe we've even done some really good stuff. And we're like, it never changes. It never goes anywhere. We can quickly become jaded. And the good news in this text is that God breaks into the world for jaded people. He breaks into the world to reveal new opportunities and new life to those of us who find ourselves stuck. And what we see in this passage is, is there's a couple of really cool things that happen. Uh, in the first few verses, you might, you might notice that there's sort of this sense of like, um, uh, like good things are happening to people, right? Like if you're walking in darkness, but you've seen a great light, if, if, you're, if, if the light has dawned when you previously couldn't see, if, if your nation is growing and you have great joy, if the harvest is coming in and you're celebrating a good harvest, if you're celebrating a good victory. And then there's something interesting that, that a passage that might not initially strike you as important, but it might be a little weird. He says, every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. What he's saying is that the things about war, the things about fighting, the things that we're stuck in, the things that are broken, that they do not get the final word. That when there's suffering, when there's war, when there's chaos, when there's brokenness and sin, there's a bottom. It runs out, but that God's love is limitless, that God has provided something wonderful for us, that God is the one who has conquered. The text ends with the phrase, the zeal, the passion, 
the commitment of the Lord will accomplish this, that this isn't a victory that we win. This is a victory that God himself wins on our behalf. So it's telling the story that the people will benefit greatly, but not because they are good, but because their God is good. We benefit greatly because our God is good and has done something amazing for us. But then you have to beg the question, well, how does God win the victory? How does God win the victory? And how do we participate? How do we receive it? And the answer is the same in verse six. In verse six, he says, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. The fact of the king's birth names what God is going to do for us and how we can participate by knowing that king and by trusting in what he has done for us. We name in this season what God has done for us, that he breaks into our world on our behalf. Now, yesterday, I really enjoyed sitting in front of a television for about eight hours, watching a lot of college football. And I've had debates with some of you already this morning about who should make the college football playoff. I will not rehash that here, but ask me after. And, and here's what I realized. You're often watching these games and you can't keep up with all the players and all the teams. And so you hear people say things like, oh, oh, that team is amazing or oh, that quarterback is really good. And you might like that person or trust that person, but you, like, you don't really know much about that team or that quarterback. And you're like, oh, sure, I guess. Like, you're not super impressed. You might think, I guess they could be good, but you're not impressed by it. But then when you actually know a team or when you know a quarterback, when you watch them play, when you see them for yourself, when you know about their stats and how many touchdowns they've had and, and how many games they've won and, and all of this stuff, then you're like, wow, like what an amazing player. Right? Just to hear that someone's good from someone else might be okay, it might be encouraging, but it doesn't really do much for you. But when you actually see it for yourself, when you know the stats, when you know specifically what's been done, like you're amazed by that. And the thing is, we know, we know exactly what God has done. We know specifically what God has done. He has come to earth. He has entered into our broken world. He has taken on our sins. He went to the cross. He went to the grave and he conquered death. He rose from the dead to show that that sin, that brokenness, that jadedness, that cynicism where we're stuck, that none of it has any capacity to hold us. We know specifically what this king does. And it's a cause for wonder. We know exactly what he's done. And not only that, we've witnessed it for ourselves and we've witnessed the power of the resurrection in the lives of others. The truth of the gospel is that God has done something wonderful for us. And because the gospel moves, because it's active and living, I can be open to wonder in my life. It's easy to become jaded. It's easy to go through the motions and, and to stop expecting God to show up. It's easy to go through the motions and to go, I've tried everything and nothing matters. Nothing's making a difference. And, and I don't know if you experienced that. Like we experienced that in our own lives, in our own family, or whether it's, whether it's extended family drama or stuff happening in our own home, that there are just seasons where like I can say that God it's gonna show up for you, but it's hard for me to believe God's gonna show up for us because we can go through the motions for seasons or years and feel stuck like nothing is ever going to change. Where do you feel stuck? 
And the thing about jadedness is it, it starts to cause us to hold tight, to cling, to, 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 for our world to close, for us to be tight-fisted, for things to get smaller because we just want to control the things we can control and hold on to it tightly so that we don't lose even that. That's not what wonder does, though. Wonder pulls our hands apart. Wonder breaks us open. It makes us receptive. Wonder puts us in a posture of, wow, I wonder what's possible. Wonder forces our hands open. If you're jaded, the good news is that God is strong enough to break through where you're stuck. The wonder of God's coming breaks through our jadedness. Like I need to be reminded and you need to be reminded that that God doesn't break into our strengths. He breaks into our weaknesses. He breaks into the places where we're broken. He, He breaks into the places where we're jaded and stuck. The gospel's not about what I'm good at. The gospel's about where I'm needy. And friends, we're all needy. We're all stuck in some way or another. And wonder can break into our marriages and our workplaces and our anxiety and depression. It can break into our schools or our holidays or our job searches. When we posture ourselves before God and say, I wonder what you're going to do, God. When we shift from been there, done that, to God is there, I wonder what he's doing. And that's a simple shift I hope that you can make this holiday season to move on from been there, done that, to God's there. Even in the difficulty, God's there. What's he doing? How can we be open to receive it? We recenter wonder and we let go of jadedness and we name that God is in this. I wonder what's possible. In the Advent guides you were handed on the way in, one of the ways, there's some small ways that encourages you to go around and be reminded of the wonder of Christmas. But also there are some scripture readings in there so that you can follow along with the story this season that through practices of reflection, you might be open to the story of what God is doing that through this season, we would tell ourselves using scripture over and over, here's what God has done. Here's how good of a God he is. He breaks into our story. In Luke chapter one, there's the story of uh, John the Baptist's dad, who uh, Zechariah, who's a priest in the temple, and the angel comes to him and says, "You're gonna have, uh, you're gonna have a baby." And he's like, "Yeah, that's not, that's not." He's like, "That's not gonna happen." Like that's like he's very doubtful. He's very skeptical about God's ability to provide a baby for him and his wife Elizabeth. And and he basically says, "How is this possible? My wife and I are well along in years." Here's what the angel says: "I am Gabriel." I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. I stand in the presence of God. I stand in the presence of God and nothing is impossible for him. Angels are sent in to the hopeless places to remind people that God is on the scene and nothing is outside of God's capacity to redeem and heal and change. And so we can confidently say, God is on the scene. God is here. I wonder what he's doing. This is why we come back to the Christmas story over and over and over to remind ourselves, God is on the scene. I wonder what he's up to. I wonder how he wants to break into our jadedness right now in this season. What difference it might make for us to let go of what we're clinging to and to receive the gift of wonder this holiday season.
I want to close with a story I heard this past week of, um, of a woman named, um, it's Ayan, Ayan, Ayan Hirsi Ali. Uh, Ayan Hirsi Ali uh, was a Muslim that in around the year 2000 uh, deconverted from Islam to atheism. And, um, and she, she was really celebrated. In, in the early 2000s, a, a movement arose called the New Atheism. And new, the New Atheism had a lot of, lots of popular authors like Christopher Hitchens, uh, and they would write these books. Um, and she became a central figure in this story that, that, uh, that religion wasn't working. And that atheism, which would then be termed as like human secularism, meaning like we can make the world better by our own efforts if we just got rid of religion, uh, that that would be a better way to go. And so that was the story that she told. And then uh, just a couple of years ago, actually, she converted to Christianity. And that story has not been quite as publicly told. Um, It hasn't been as celebrated in the media, Uh, but she converted to Christianity. And so what she found was that both both, uh, Islam and that her venture into atheism, that neither one of them was very satisfying. In fact, both of them left her incredibly jaded when it came to her experience of the world. And so here's here's what she said. Uh, I still have a great deal to learn about Christianity. I discover a little more at church each Sunday but I have recognized in my own long journey through a wilderness of fear and self-doubt that there is a better way to manage the challenges of existence than either Islam or unbelief had to offer. And I think for many of us, it's not that we've tried all these different religions. I mean, maybe you have. I think for many of us, it's exactly that though. Like we have all these different ways that we've tried to manage our lives to work our way out of being stuck and being jaded and being cynical, to find a better way to live. We've tried all of these ways and what we found is that they don't hold, that they're not working for us, that they they close us in on ourselves, but they don't open us to possibilities that are outside of ourselves and we aren't very good saviors of our own lives. And so my hope for you And my hope for us this holiday season is that we learn to let go of being jaded. Then we open our hands to receive the blessings of wonder that you might be reminded over and over as you come to church, as you read scripture, as you gather with friends, that this is a season to be amazed and at awe that God himself would love you enough to come to earth, to enter into your story and to offer you salvation. That that would be the story that you tell that would inspire wonder that in the moments where you feel full and busy and overwhelmed and anxious and tired and aggravated, that you would be reminded God is on the scene and that's wonderful. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Holy God, may it be so in us. May we turn to you in our moments of excitement, in our moments of fear, in our moments of doubt, and in our moments of joy, that we would be reminded that you are there with us, that you have good things for your people. We trust that you are far more capable of providing for us than we are for ourselves. God, we lay our lives before you. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Amen.